0: Welcome everyone. It's Trans Tuesday Signature Series tonight. Uh, as I always say, it's my favorite night of the week. I am Cassandra Storm, your host, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Tonight, club member Liz Tattersall, uh, she is returning to Trans Tuesday for a special Signature Series for our club members as she goes into a greater depth of her expertise as a health and a life coach. Uh, Tonight, she's going to teach our club members how to love ourselves again or for the first time. So welcome back, Liz. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to also acknowledge the wonderful club members who are joining us tonight. Thank you very much, Bronwyn Drew, Georgette Corneo, and Maggie Huber. Thank you for coming in and sharing in this workshop experience with us and with Liz.
1: So nice to see you all.
0: This is and, awesome. Yeah. Well, and you know, Liz has been a part of uh, my feminine heart, uh, since last fall, um, as an active club member and in the trans Tuesday. So she is, she is not just a visiting guest. She's part of the, my feminine heart family. So I feel like we all are starting to know each other pretty well, uh, from one episode to the next. Um, so you know, if you have questions, um, what I would tell the ladies in the Zoom, go ahead and put them in the chat, and I'll try to help Liz moderate. This is really this is Liz's workshop. So Liz, um, teach us how to love ourselves again, <laughs> or for the first time. I'm so ready for this. That's right.
1: <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for having me back and giving me the opportunity to do this with you all, and I hope that. Um, In in sharing what I have to share with you and also with you all sharing with the group that you take something away from this that um, makes your lives uh, a little bit fuller um, and helps you on that journey, the one that we're all on to find that special person to um, but mostly to. Love ourselves because, as you'll hear, that you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. I think that's really the starting place for all of this. So, let's begin with I think most of you were with us and know that the homework was to spend a little time thinking about, considering, and even acting on something like taking yourself out on a date. What is it that you know, what is an activity? uh, Something that you were able, you got a chance to do to help you get that good feeling um, that you get when you're with someone you love, or again, just feeling good about yourself. Would anybody feel comfortable sharing?
0: I can, I can lead off. Um, so I, I was struggling with this um, in a larger piece of I'm trying to change up my schedule and mojo, um, you know, we're, we're coming out of COVID and, and, you know, and in my household, trying to adjust to like the new normal. I always worked from home alone. Um, so I had designated work spots in the house and then I had designated sanctuary spots. And since my husband has been working from home, I feel like I lost all the sense of kind of relief and sanctuary because now I work in all these other places to kind of give us space from each other when I'm on a call or when he's on a call. Um, so I, I've lost the sense of peace kind of in my home. I feel like, you know, wherever I go, I feel like I should be working. Um, so I actually, I went away over the weekend with some friends and we were deciding who's going to stay in what room. And my automatic response was, well, put me downstairs near the kitchen, because on vacation, I'm always the first up doing the coffee and making the breakfast. And I really, as it's coming out of my mouth, I really thought about that. Um, And I'm like, I, you know, so many people love to sleep on on vacation. To me, I love getting up and having a cup of coffee in peace by myself. And like, Mm -hmm. I get, I don't, I don't do well sleeping in and I don't do well, getting out of bed and immediately having to jump to start my day. I like to have that slow cup of coffee, but it's always a struggle during the week as I go to start my work day. And I thought about, you know, on vacation, that really is my favorite thing is to like, you know, if you stay at the beach or on a lake or wherever you are, that's, that's quiet to just get up and have the whole house to yourself and have that enjoyment. So I came home and I told my husband, I said, you know what, I, I love waking up early I'm going to have basically a date with myself in the morning. I'm going to set my alarm super early so that I can get up every day and feel like I do on vacation and not rushed and stressed and just have my cup of coffee, take in my backyard, enjoy that sanctuary again before jumping in into my workflow. And it's been lovely. It's, 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 it's exactly what I have been looking for for months now to try to change up my routine at, at home. And it's given me so many more hours in the day now too, because I feel like I get to, you know, I get up at five and I have my coffee and then I can take as much time as I want to enjoy it in the in the peace outside and enjoy my yard. And then, and then go into my workday starting earlier than I normally would. So I'm feeling more productive. I found time in my day and it's giving me more peace in the evening because I don't feel like I have to work as late. So all that has just been fabulous. That's that's I don't know if that if it's a romantic date, but that's my vacation date, I guess, for myself.
1: It certainly doesn't have to be a romantic date. No, just that again, a place when you feel loved. And it's okay to feel loved when you're on your own. (laughs) It is. So uh, that's the perfect kind of thing. Absolutely. So well,
0: thank you. Um, And I know Liz has been struggling with the internet, so just in case she's on a pause, who else would like to share? Great job. A on your homework, cast. Oh, thank you. Maggie, did you do any homework?
2: Um, Yeah, I've actually been, uh, I call it my homework. There's two things I've been doing um, actually for the last couple weeks. But of course, most obvious is I came down to my happy place, which is a place I've been coming down to since I was a year old. Uh, it's on the Potomac River, and I have a beautiful view of the river right now, looking out from there. And just like you, though, each morning I have gotten up, and instead of sitting down and, and taking my medicine and, and making my breakfast and getting ready started, I just got myself a cup of coffee and went out and sat on the bank, you know, looking at the birds. The, we have cormorants out here and osprey and things like that. So that was the one kind of date for myself. The second one is actually what I've been doing around my house. I have been slowly, now that I have, it's been a few years since my wife passed away and I've come to realize that now this is my life and I'm slowly starting to go through the house and I'm looking at things and saying, do these things bring me joy if they don't? Goodbye. And I'm finding things to put in, in in place of it. I brought out my teapot collection I've had hidden for 20 years. Um, I, got, uh, I, got a ma- I got a plaque made for my house that says Maggie's Cottage. Just little things like that, that bring me joy. Um, I'm not looking for romantic interest at this point in my life. Um, I just want to try to live the happiest life I can for whatever time I have left.
1: Awesome, that's wonderful. Um, and it sounds like you also did a little bit of um, work that often goes along when you are doing coaching with the decluttering to clear space for what you want and what you love. And you, you've you done that with that, you know said you took away things that aren't serving you, um, which is a wonderful way to start that exercise off. So that was great, that was great.
0: Maggie, I just, I have to say, I love that. I'm from a family that felt controlled by our things. My mother had to hold all the family antiques, any piece of artwork that was made by a family member. You know, she she was kind of forced to collect it all and we never really knew what to do. And she really started letting it all go so that she could just show and, and enjoy the things that she loved. And we didn't realize what a burden our things could be you know, and how it, it shaped our home more than us shaping our home because it was inherited stuff. Oh, I'm with you. I love that.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, a, a couple things. things. Um, I want to admit that, that I'm already in coaching with Liz. So some of this might be redundant, but, <laughs> but um, this past weekend, um, I went to a barbecue at, at, Friends with friends from church, and some of the uh, other uh, people in the gay community in, in the area, and uh, we—some I hadn't seen in almost two years—and it was a fantastic time. And it was just, yeah, uh, you know, we all felt it to be ourselves, and and we were all cautious. That was interesting to see the interactions between people that haven't been around others in quite a while. But, you know, and as Liz knows, I've been getting rid of stuff too. And and that has been a relief. And it made me think, you mentioned the decluttering from, uh, from your family when uh, just after I got divorced, I had everything down here in my garage from, from my father and uh, just, boxes and boxes of stuff. And what I got was all the junk that nobody else wanted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went through it and it was pretty much all junk. Anything I wanted was already been, pictures had already been digitized and uh, things were already in my apartment. So I got rid of all of that. And that was a big worry. And that's, a, that's an awesome, an
1: awesome first step in almost any of these life projects whatever they are you know looking for answers in other areas
0: Bronwyn that's that's awesome you know we get so overwhelmed with our cluttering and stuff think about all the people who spend money to store things that they're not honoring and cherishing and enjoying in their home that's just sitting in storage somewhere it takes a it takes a lot it takes the help of a great coach sometimes to really help you learn how to let that stuff go nice job team Welcome, uh, Michaela, by the way. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Michaela. Oh, we can't hear you, hon. You're unmuted, but I still can't hear you. Almost. Can you,
1: am I coming through smoothly or should I go to the phone? Oh,
0: you. I can hear you fine, Liz.
4: I can hear everybody but Michaela.
5: You can't hear me? There you go. Barely. Can you hear yeah. me now?
0: It'll get a little better. Get closer to the computer.
5: No, it's, I got my okay. headset on. That's why. <laughs> can you hear me now? Oh, yes. OK. Um, so I'm actually in the process of, of decluttering myself. I'm moving into um, my own apartment. Um, and this is the first place that I've ever um, moved into that I'm going to actually decorate myself. So um, so as uh, Cassandra was talking about um, storage, I have a whole bunch of stuff in storage I'm trying to get rid of. And also an, another thing that I did this weekend, um, I just kind of being by myself and, and not really having people to talk to. I went out and I decided that I was going to uh, volunteer because I work in IT. And I decided to volunteer at the LGBTQ Center to help seniors um, with their their technology needs, uh, the problems, you know, phones and computers and stuff. So I've been teaching people how to navigate their computers.
0: That's lovely, Michaela. Thank you so much for that, for volunteering your time.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And often things like that are what fill you up and give you, even though you're giving the, the return of energy is greater. So it's, it's something that is uh, nothing but positive um, and good for you. Again, the more energy that you have that's positive that way, the, the easier it is to go forward with whatever challenge it is that you are facing. So that's a great, great move.
0: Congratulations on your new place too. That's so exciting. <laughs> and Georgette, how did you do with the homework?
4: Okay, I'm not so sure on this whole idea of a date with yourself to start loving yourself again. I'm not even sure what that means, but uh, part of my stuff has always been, after I retired, was doing all kinds of things to fill up my time because I had more time now instead of having to do that, you know, eight hours of work and the hours of commuting and everything else. Um, Basically, I don't want have time to myself uh it's something i've always done it's why i go to the movies a lot i go uh, clubbing with friends or just go to a uh, uh, eatery or something by myself uh kind of don't want to be by myself uh it's, i don't see any uh production out of it uh i have been able to, during this uh isolation i've been able to not quite finish a project I've been working on for like 15 years or so, but of uh, cataloging uh, my collectible stuff in that, because I was started it back when my partner was still alive. And then after she died, then I wanted to start doing other things and that got put aside. Well, this last year I've had oodles of time to do all that. So, uh, and as far as the decluttering, well I you know, live in the typical twelve to fifteen hundred square foot house with a two-car garage and uh, have not really bothered with all that because as I told i I've told my younger brothers, since I have no heirs, I'll uh, give the house to you know the family and let them go through and do all that work saves me having to do it because there's nothing there that i give a damn about once I'm dead. So, and, and I just don't know, I, I don't understand that concept of loving yourself. What what does that actually even
0: mean? Hmm. Liz, I'm I, excited for your feedback on this. Yeah, I was gonna say,
1: I hope, Georgette, that you know, after I've shared a, just a few thoughts on that topic, you'll kind of understand why it's important and really what it is. And I think it actually sounds like just on the face of it, this little bit that you've said, you do act you are actually doing things um, that that fill you up, that you feel good about, you know you you're not worried about decluttering your house, but you're you're doing things um with that time that you've had on your own that you've enjoyed doing. And I think, again, what sometimes people end up doing is getting run over by other people, they, um, and in the relationships that they have, perhaps they are not feeling heard. There are all kinds of levels of not allowing yourself to feel good about yourself and taking care of you and what's important to you. So again, maybe by the end of this time together, there'll be just a couple little nuggets for you that you'll say, oh, I think I get it a little bit more. Um, but I hope so. I hope so. But I think it sounds like you're already on the right track to
4: get. I'm already, I'm fully satisfied with my life as it is. I mean, uh, you go. I, I've, one of the things that I had been doing occasionally is, uh, I don't know whether it's called a... Uh, remembering, but it's not always the most productive, is things like uh, during this nicer weather is my partner and I would sit out on the back deck as the sun's going down and we would have a smoke, have a drink and chat about whatever, watch all the birds and stuff like that. But it's kind of like the problem is that's living in the past. I want to do I want to move forward mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah <laughs> we all do and um so again um you know i think sort of part of what i'm saying is that much of how we live our lives in all areas it fundamentally goes back though to loving ourselves because um, when we do we are energetically going out then and living our lives to the fullest. And I agree, in the present time, moving forward and not looking back in the past. So, um, again.
4: um, Yeah, I've had a problem connecting with a lot of the people I know. A lot of them, uh, they've had partners or wives or whatever, and uh, have either had bad breakups or somewhat compatible breakups, things like that. Uh, I even did some other groups in that I'm one of the, I won't say the only one, but I went through a very satisfying relationship the both of us had to one of to her dying, which is kind of a real, there is no further um, looking back. I mean, it, it's all looking back, but no good, bad or whatever. So that's part of my thing of if I keep myself busy mentally, doing all kinds of stuff and doing things i don't have to sit and think about it
1: yeah i can absolutely appreciate that for sure yeah i'm sorry that yeah
4: well it, it happens i mean i'm 70 well, years of old of course. so right. i mean i've got uh, I'm the only one in my uh elder generation is my father all the aunts and uncles and they've all died i've even started getting some of the elder cousins are starting to die off So it's like, you know, I know my days are getting nearer and nearer, um, but it's, you know, when you, when you only have maybe another 20, 25 years, you know, you start to think, gee, this is, where am I ending up?
0: Right. Right. Well, and I think that's, you know, you, you hit on some great themes, Georgette. Thank you. um, Always for your, for your candor and your feedback. You know, there's a lot of people who are listening who um, for one reason or another, don't want to look back. Maybe they had a, a spouse they enjoyed having the sunsets with and they don't have that for whatever reason, you know, moving forward. Uh, so I'm, you know, I, you, you've touched on a lot of things that I think will touch a lot of other people. Um, I'm excited for Liz to take us to the next step and, and, and talk about where we go from here with our homework. I know, Liz, you've got a slideshow waiting. Should I bring up a slide yet or? Not yet. <laughs> you, tell me when. you tell me
1: when okay I will I will give you a cue all right I will tell I will say um okay Cass I'd like you to put up that first slide but not yet okay <laughs> all right I'm going to take it away then um so i want to start with sort of how again how did I end up here talking to you all about loving ourselves and this is going to initially sound as though I'm talking about career coaching but um just bear with me for a minute and I'll you'll figure out where I'm headed with this story of having a great job as a pharmaceutical sales rep making awesome money driving the company car winning awards traveling and on the surface I thought and everybody thought I had the best job ever I was doing really well until I was realizing that my life was um, pretty messed up in that I was missing a lot of my kids' lives. I even once left my then eight-year-old daughter at school, like really late, like it was eight at night and she was still there. And I had totally didn't even realize I was missing a child. At any rate, um, as years went by in this job, it got crazier and crazier. I became um, really Physically ill with it, migraines, weight gain, I didn't sleep nights. Um, and of course, I had that constant battle of when I was at work, I was thinking about the family. When I was with the family, I was worried about the work that I wasn't getting done. Um, and something really had to give um, because what had happened was I didn't like who I had become. Um, and I think I had mentioned to you all before a turning point came when my son, who is chronically, um, has a chronic illness, was in the intensive care unit again. And I said, you know, enough's enough. And so I stepped away and began my coaching journey. And as um, when you're going through um, that kind of journey, typically you're doing the work yourself. And um, I did end up getting a coach, did a lot of um my own work, which included uncovering the pain of a childhood trauma that I'd allowed myself to identify. Um, but when I let go of that, I began to rediscover my own self-worth. Um, in other words, I was learning how to love myself. And so that's when I began the coaching journey, working with others and helping them to transform their mindsets about their, at the time it was careers, but a and clear that what really is happening when I'm with people is we're transforming the way we feel about ourselves, That that's really what this journey is about. Um, And so, Georgette, maybe this will resonate with you. Um, You're in the right place if (laughs) you don't wholeheartedly believe that you're worthy of all good things. If you long to feel at peace with yourself, uh, you want to find a way to improve relationships that you currently have, or you wonder if you'll ever find true love. So, with that, tonight I'm going to share with you two ways to start taking care of the most important person in your life, and that is you. And that is so that you perhaps even that special someone. Um, and as we have a limited amount of time together, I'm going to teach you as much as I can. Oh, did, So we're going to talk about what we call um, honoring your yes to yourself Um, and your homework was an exercise in that and a little bit more explanation about what that means and why it's important. Sometimes in our relationships, what depletes us most is simply that we're so in love with someone else that that's where we focus our attention. Um, And obviously we want to make the other person happy. Um, And we find ourselves saying yes to all sorts of things um, simply because we know it will bring them joy. But in the process, we're often saying no to our true selves. And it's often true in other relationships, those we have with friends, coworkers, family, um, even acquaintances. And while it's great to make others feel loved, we also need to check in to see whether we are chronically saying yes to other people's needs without making much forward movement on our own. Um, Because making sure that we're loving ourselves first before we spread all that love around is important. And I would advocate that's because you're the one you've been looking for all the time. You're the best person to be your perfect partner to happen that's really magical when you honor that self that yes to yourself first all of a sudden your relationships become energizing instead of draining because you're honoring that most important relationship so um if i'd love to hear back from anybody um do you find that you all tend to honor that yes to yourself um, uh, and not saying yes to everybody else so that you're being neglected or how's that kind of working out for everybody?
3: Um, I've, I think that's what actually started my transition was finally saying yes to myself in an area that I tried to hide and, um, and uh, during the the first part of covid uh, i had all that time on my hands and i kept saying yes to everybody else and overextended myself and then i got covid and i uh, didn't have the energy so i started saying no so i think i <laughs> it's just as important to say no as it is to say yes i think maybe yeah. more important
4: yeah yeah I
2: was, wherever she lives. I was going to say that in in some ways, what I'm doing is kind of cyclical because on the one hand, I'm saying to myself, uh, "Yes, what I want is important," but in doing that and taking control of what I do, I have found that I'm now in a position where I have people who even though I'm not asking for it are actually giving me what I want or what I need in the way of caring, you know, seeing that I am taken care of. In other words, seeing that I get to do the things that I want to do and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm surprised by it because for so many years it was, I was afraid to put out anything for fear of being rejected that I didn't trust myself to allow other people to do nice things for me. And so it's becoming a very cyclical thing where the better I feel about myself, the more I feel um, loved by other people.
1: Thank you so much for sharing. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and move forward while you have me. <laughs> so, the second thing that I wanted to touch upon then is how to create relationships that give you energy instead of taking away your energy. Because, if you, as you've noticed, that's kind of been a, to me, that's really all the background of all that we do. And it's important to find that energy um, in our lives. And so, we're going to talk about um, how to use appreciative communication. To do that. Chances are that chances are you all have had experiences and relationships that left you feeling understood and accepted, loved, and supported, but you also probably had experiences and relationships where you felt misunderstood, frustrated, angry, ignored, or invalidated. Um, and obviously when you feel that you're heard, your energy is better. I and mean, when you feel like you have been misunderstood or you're not listened to your energy is down we want to get to a place in our relationships where all of them are giving you energy um, not taking it away and in order to do that we're going to look under the hood at where things tend to go wrong in relationships um And when two people are experiencing conflict, what they're often experiencing is really a break in or a loss of connection. And as you know, most experts will say that those breaks in connection in relationships stem from one thing and it's poor communication. And so what that means for you is that learning how to improve your communication could be the bridge back to connection and to a relationship that supports you instead of depletes you. So when the communication breaks down, um, for instance, it may be that you're receiving or giving a lot of criticism, there's defensiveness, there's maybe even contempt or disgust. There's even things like stonewalling where someone just leaves the conversation. And that can be, as you know, either physically or energetically. Let's talk about um, appreciative communication. And there really are two two parts. Uh, The first part is being aware of ours and other people's maps or paradigms. Um, And as you know, everybody has a different and a very valid way of seeing the world. But if we were to put two people's maps side by side, they would look completely different. The key though is to acknowledge that both of them are valid. Um, And so if we come from uh, appreciation for another person's viewpoint, we're more more likely to listen. Cass, go ahead and put up that first slide because this is a really quick example of when um, two people not necessarily um, knowing what the other one is um, thinking or saying. There you go, there you go. So um, as you can see, we have here that person A says I love dogs and person B says I hate them person A of course is silently thinking I don't trust somebody who doesn't like dogs obviously here the connections broken because neither person is becoming curious about the other person's map right But if we take this conversation now with an approach of curiosity instead about the other's map, it might go like this. So you can go ahead and pull up this, make the big this next slide big there. I don't know if you all can see it on the side. And so this is where person A says, I love dogs. And instead, the second person says, really, how or when did you start to love dogs? And then the first person gets to say, well, my grandmother had a dog. I spent lots of weekends at her house and it was kind of lonely because there weren't other kids around, but she had a dog named Birdie and Birdie became my best friend and I've loved dogs ever since. And obviously this other person says, wow. So what they say is true, a dog really is your best friend. And now that first person feels all warm and fuzzy inside and is silently thinking this person gets me right? Does this make sense? (laughs) So if we are delving deeper and trying to understand where a person is coming from, obviously that person feels that you are listening, that you care, communication is open, and both people have a better chance of being heard and relating better to each other. The second step though, um, for appreciative communication is specificity. And what I mean by that is very often there's an inherent lack of specificity in the way we speak. In other words, we tend to delete details in a conversation because the conversation is really happening in our own heads. And we assume that other people know what we're thinking and we expect them to get it. Um, We don't do this on purpose, of course, but it's still what happens. So for instance, if I say to any of you, go ahead and think of a dog, but I don't give you any details about that. The picture of the dog that you make in your head is almost a 100% guaranteed not to be the same dog that I'm picturing in my head, right? Because we come from different perspectives, different maps. And of course, this leads to a lack of clarity in the way we're speaking to each other. And so what it boils down to, and Brandon, when you had said this earlier, the root cause of conflict in communication isn't necessarily what is said, it's often what isn't being said. And of course, how do we solve this? Well, by asking better questions, by being more interested. And some of this um, actually, Cass, if you pull up the slide with the four simple questions on it, These questions and these questions can kind of pave the way for appreciative, honest communication that builds better connections. And and it's those very simple, what, when, how, and who. And then these are just some examples. You know, um, what specifically is uncomfortable for you? When specifically do you experience that feeling? Um, How specifically did he reject you? and you're bad at writing according to who, right? So um, you're being curious with the questions um, and these are likely to get much more information about the other person's map and you ultimately can avoid or resolve any conflict. And these techniques and ideas apply to all of us for the relationships that we already have and for those that we might be searching for. So. Um, i would love to hear how any of this might be landing for any of
3: you uh, how does this cut across generations though because um oh. i've got i've got some of my closest friends are 20 30 years younger than i am i mean people i'm really close to mm-hmm. and and i can have those kinds of conversations with them and at, there's a lot of times I'm not able to have those kinds of conversations with people in my generation or in their 60s. That, And um, I think that's one area where I'm having an issue, figuring that out. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I would um, offer that, again, these asking questions that um, that go deeper, asking, you know, more than just, hey, how are you? Um, and you know, when you're having conversations, getting more specific with them um, is a way to better connect. Because as you say, across generations, you're very likely to be thinking something differently than they are, right? Because you're coming from different generations. Um, and so the, the deeper you can go with what you ask, um, the more likely you both are to ultimately end up talking you know, about the same thing um, and in the same language um, and from the same place. Does that make sense?
3: Um, I have the opposite issue. It's people in my generation that I have a hard time talking with and understanding a lot of the time because um, I don't, maybe it's when the time I came out, I have a lot more in common with the to the younger trans generation than I do with the ones that are my age, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer to that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Liz, I I I think what you're saying is is great. I think um, yeah. one thing you know, years of therapy has has shown me is that not everybody. Ingests and reacts to information the way that I do, so it's amazing how you can have a great conversation with somebody, or you can have a conversation where people are just constantly triggered and reactionary to what could be a very simple, seemingly simple conversation. Um, I, you know, I, I think I love what I love what you're saying. Um, and when you were in the slide before, you know, talking about, you know, how we react to other people and, you know, is, is there toxicity there in a relationship, you know, how that can affect you, toxicity in the person, toxicity in the communication. Um, I think just identifying, yeah, I think step one is like you're saying, like figuring out for yourself, what's making me uncomfortable, what don't I like? kind of removes you from the conversation and look at an ill overview on how the whole communication's going.
1: Right, exactly. And remember, all of this ties back into what we started with in this conversation about taking care of yourself and and loving
0: yourself. If Liz, you're I think, not- sorry, I think Maggie has a had a. I don't know if you can see us anymore on your phone. I think Maggie, waved oh, okay. her hand
2: <laughs> Okay. Go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I was, was going to say um, part of what you were what Cass was saying, what you're saying is true. Um, for years and years, uh, when my my father was alive, um, he would try to engage me in conversations, manage to argue, and so would other people in my family. And part of, as you say, loving my learning to love myself was. Being able to finally say, you know, no, I have a different opinion, and I'm not going to engage in these things. And so I I was treating myself, I was taking care of myself by refusing to engage in people who would try to have that issue with constantly having trigger points in their conversations and stuff like that. And I've been much happier ever since.
1: (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. That's it. Exactly. Right. As, as I was saying, it's that um, all of this goes back to taking care of you and, you know, saying yes and no when you need to. And some of that is who even, as you just said, who you're communicating with, you know, if if, if this isn't going to serve me well, then perhaps I will step back from this um, conversation and or relationship. Um, because that's about taking care of yourself first, yeah, um, and and then you're then you're fully present for the people that are there with you on that journey that you want to be with, um, choose to be with, um, and who you will both be um, supporting and growing with each other. So, um, yeah, thank you,
5: thank you for sharing that. So the the problem I have is. Um... I'm a chronic um conflict avoider. So, I have a hard Michaela, time Michaela, can you
0: can you speak into your piece a yeah. little bit? more? Thank you.
5: Can I Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um I'm a chronic um conflict avoider and so I have a problem with kind of not opening up, I guess, um to and and trying to possibly and not even consciously but subconsciously trying to avoid certain subjects or topics or Um, try to steer the conversation in a way that I think that I'll be more comfortable when I really should be um, more open and talking about everything in order for a relationship to work.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, and that's, um, again, with, um, as you work on the communication and feeling more comfortable with, you know, asking these questions and getting to know the person, as you said, then you perhaps will be more confident and able then to open up more, right? And then the more you open up, and the and it's a flow after flow. It's one thing leads to another. Better communication leads to more confidence, leads to the better relationship, which leads to better communication, and and so on and so on. So. Um, but it's not, none of these things are things that um, necessarily come easily. And we all are, We none of this I'm certain is new to anyone. You've all heard some piece of this somewhere before, but how often do we, you know, hear these things? We even know these things, but we don't necessarily continue to practice them. And so I would offer to you that this was an opportunity to. To think about them again, to be reminded about them again. So, you know, I am I'm seeing where we are um, with time. You know, so I, I want to be able to sort of put out there and let you all know that um, again. This can be the beginning of of a, of a journey, and very often, learning these, th- knowing these things, learning them, but keeping them in practice is what is hard for for some of us in certain areas of our lives Um, and so I invite any of you who would like to have a further conversation about any area like this that you want to do more work in um, because what we do together when there's coaching I mean this was a easy weasy piece of um, and this was you know in a group but the when I am with somebody one-on-one um, I'm considered to be a kind of a tough love tough love coach but also a cheerleader so I we go through a process of a system together I support you but I also hold you accountable and again these were just a few um, a few things that, you know, you can think about, um, but there are all kinds of areas that um, you may say, gee, here's something I, I'd love to go a little bit deeper about. Um, and we can certainly have a conversation.
4: Um,
0: and so, Liz, Liz, my heart just goes out to you. I, I know you were so excited for tonight and watching you persevere through one internet issue and mute after another. I think anybody can see the, you know, the heart that you have to to struggle through. Um I yeah, I know it's nine o'clock and you are so cognizant of our time, but um I don't want you to feel that you have to wrap just yet that if there's any well, I other...
1: don't I, I was worried about the group. So
0: <laughs> first of all, you're welcome to come back. Um you know come back down the road when we when our when as soon as our schedule has a, a spot for you and the ladies, you know, we can pull together on what we haven't built on yet and what we want to work on for next time now that we've gotten a little dabble, but, um, you know, I want to make sure that before anybody goes that you shared the, any last pieces of advice you wanted to share with us tonight and that everybody had a chance to, you know, ask their questions um, for you. So if, if everybody's okay to keep going for a few more minutes, cause I know we've had the the struggles. I'm happy to keep going.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm quite happy too. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> I was concerned about everybody else. It has been sort of a hiccupy night, right? <laughs> so but it's not
0: toxic. Yeah. The communication's hiccupy, but it's not toxic. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, well, I don't, is there any, you know,
1: are there any questions from anybody or I get any comments and, and I always ask that question um, and Georgette, of course, I, I would love to hear, again, it was pretty choppy, but if there was anything that resonated um, with you in particular,
4: um, I'd love to know. Um, I have another therapist I go to for, uh, as I say, non-gender type problems. Um, Part of my problem has been ever since my partner died, my um, love life has kind of intensified in some ways, and uh, so she's helped me deal with that. Uh, One of the things she points to, which I never really do, is um, make platonic friends for long periods. I have work friends or situational friends. Um, I have trust issues with other people, it doesn't take me long to, uh, if they, if I don't follow their trust, I don't uh, deal with them. I tend to just say, okay, that's fine, and whatever. The other is that since I've gotten back into all this, is the, uh, It's hard for me to relate to so many of the newer transgender people, uh, not younger necessarily, um, but because I've found from talking with others that uh, the first five to 10 years are a crazy time. Uh, Most of them are going through so many different things and those are the things I cannot help them with because mine was so long ago that uh, everything has changed. I mean, there's nothing really, I can't tell them advice. The doctors that I did back then, most of them, they're all dead. Okay, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, So I have a hard time relating with a lot of them. Uh, It's not intentional, it's just, it's like Bren was talking about the generational things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is age, but sometimes it's not. it's just, uh, I, I don't form serious relationships because for me, that implies a certain. Uh, I can't describe what it is. It's not romantic, but it's more emotional. I have to invest emotionally with people. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do that, then uh, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. And then, if a trust is broken, it hits me hard because I've invested so much emotionally that uh, I can't take that. Um,
0: wow, so so much, Liz. What do you? How do you interpret all of that as a as a coach?
4: Well, like I say, the therapist I go to—it's—it's it's, she's she's more of a a sex relationship therapist, and she also deals with some of the like with my partner's death and how to relate with those kinds of things. And for the first time, I've had a female therapist or doctor or whatever. And so I can relate to her uh, in a woman-to-woman type uh, aspect. Uh, I can find out a lot about as she's gone through life. uh, She had three daughters, one of who is probably now non-binary and so we can discuss some of those things but uh and that's why i say that's why i've had a hard time recently now is i don't do well with uh remote communications Uh, i need to be able to see people face to face um so during this year and a half of more isolation it's you know i've lost a lot of the people that i used to talk to on a regular basis, and uh, getting back into that is difficult.
1: And I, you know, I'm curious what you, what would it look like if you didn't have that fear of being um, somebody hurting you again? Or would you, you know, what what might that look like? And is that something that you thought about or, or wonder about and, you know, and could consider?
4: Well, I, you see, I, I go into trying to talk with people or relate to people, mm-hmm. hoping for the best, but it doesn't take much for me to uh, hit the distrust. Mm-hmm. type kind of a thing. Yeah. I guess because, uh, my partner and I were together for 39 years and for 30 of that, we were, we went to work, we inter, you know, we didn't have a lot of outside, uh, people, uh, you know, partly because, uh, her work and my work were so different and we left, it was really, we had no contact with whatever the trans, um, people did and all that and very little of the, uh, lesbian and gay community also. Um, so it was kind of like um, we were very isolated and, and reliant on each other for everything.
1: Mm-hmm. And is that, you know, are you, um, is it working for you now then to be, um, in the situation that you're in i mean you you had said earlier that you're you're quite happy you know you keep busy you're doing things with you know you, you have a lot of activities and you have friends and groups that you're that's
4: those you little time fillers
1: right
4: it, it's time and mind fillers yeah. Uh, yeah that way i don't have to think about it mm-hmm. i do yeah. enough of that when i'm trying to fall asleep at night um, I will spend hours going over everything, either that happened in the day or like this is going over what I'm going to do in like tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll right. go through everything in my head, carrying on multiple conversations, and it kind of uh, it just keeps me from falling asleep.
1: Oh, yes. You're not alone in that one. So may I, may I offer a suggestion for that? Which is very very simple, um, and, and see if this. Give it a try tonight when you go to bed, and that is.
4: I go to bed around one or two.
1: Okay, well, I'll be in my third REM sleep by then. But while I'm doing that, um, have you, and you have perhaps already done this. It's a, it's it's something that's become quite popular. But I, I find that it is a very very helpful thing. Is to you know, take out a piece of paper or or a journal or whatever it is, and you can do one of two things. One is very simply to start writing down all that you're grateful for, you know, from from just the day or or things that you're grateful for in your life. It can be big. It can be small. It can be that you uh, the air conditioner is working tonight. It can be anything. But Just, you know, kind of free flow that. Um, And perhaps it's a more formal version of that where you're actually journaling and take it that step
4: I've I've never been a note taker journaling type person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm in the marginal uh, area for high IQ. And my attitude has always been when I was very young and on is if I can't remember it, from time to time, it probably isn't worth remembering. And that's where now I will spout off stuff that I can remember from when I was a kid or in high school and and everything else. Uh Um, I don't know where it all comes from, but it just comes back out. Yeah. And I can say, I, I tried doing like that, doing like a journal or a diary, but I just never keep up with it. Yeah.
1: Well, again, try maybe just putting the pad of paper by your bed. Not Again, nothing formal. Keep this, but, but every, before you go to bed, write down just a couple things that you're happy about, that you're grateful for. Just try and kind of keep doing this for a little while and see if it doesn't start shutting down all the, I call it spinning. That's what I call it. My head gets to spinning, right? Lots of thoughts, lots of different things but it drills, it focuses you down and puts you into a better space for going to sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, it's a great thing to do. Instead of the thinking about all the things that happened in the day or all the things you have to do, just on the moment, what's good? What am I grateful for? What am I happy for? And give it a try, give it a try.
0: You know, Georgette, I, I understand how journaling can feel. I, I don't like to journal and someone just asked me why. And, and I said, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't like looking back on some of the things that I thought. I Like oh. I'm embarrassed. Like, really? I thought that? Are you, really? I was that caught up in that emotion? And, you know, their comment was, well, just burn it.
2: That's Shred it. Yeah.
0: Like when you're done. So don't, don't think of it as now this is another project, dear diary every night and keeping track you know, write it out so you can sleep like Liz is suggesting and then wake up in the morning and, and burn it or throw it out. Like it doesn't have to be a special sacred journal. Um, well, see, you know, I, the, the problem I get is
4: weird. when I do, because uh, I, I get onto many different groups and I'll write uh, responses and comments and stuff like that. I have a tendency to do get into like an OCP thing of it. And I have to critique, you know, reparagraph check the spelling, check everything over and over again, that it wakes me up then. So I'm not really going to fall asleep. I I would have to have my glasses next to my bed because I'm able to read what I'm writing. Otherwise, it's just going to be scribbles.
1: Okay. I keep making this smaller and smaller for you, Georgia. Georgia. Here's as low as I can go. Post-it note, one. (laughs) thing, one thing, and then you can tear it off, throw it away in the morning and start the next night. One thing, that's it.
0: <laughs> you know, Georgia, I'll read at night. And I i know you don't like to read as much You're more of an audio person, but I read to fall asleep because I have the same issue. I need to shut it mm-hmm. down. And, mm-hmm. you know, there is times when I spend, especially back when I used to photograph weddings, days on days, just in front of a computer. And... It's hard. It's hard when your mind does, doesn't have a busy office mm-hmm. environment to distract you. I mean, I'll be honest, I'll play the same. I don't often even play always new stuff. Sometimes I'll have like a podcast or something on, but a lot of times I can't tell you how many times I've watched Grey's Anatomy and I'm not really watching it. I have it on in the background so that it it keeps my mental capacity going in one direction while I'm focused on something else. It's not drawing my attention because it's not any, any new information. It's not surprising, but it, it, that helps finding, I mean, I, that's just my coping mechanism, like finding something that you don't have to feel mentally alert at all times, but it kind of drowns out the loneliness, especially if you're used to having a partner there. Yeah. Um, well, know, never, there that was, was like, not
4: an issue because she was an early go to sleeper and I was not. Um, she would fall asleep during the evening news where I'd be up and I'd still be at the computer watching television, doing stuff, uh, used to do, uh, uh, PC games and stuff like that. And I had to stop that because after a while, what would happen was I realized the sun is coming up. She's starting to wake up and I'm still playing. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Liz, do you, do you study the Ayurvedic clock at all?
4: Me? No,
0: No. Liz, as a coach. No. I can, I was just telling my mom about this. I I started learning about it when I was getting my yoga teacher training. There is um, a belief that our body is on a 12 hour cycle. And from, you know, I want to say like 10 to to 2 a.m. or 2 to 6 and then, you know, there's time we're much more awake. So if you are keeping yourself up to the middle of the night, that's actually when your mind is going to be like the most stimulated. They tell people, if you want to sleep through that, you've got to start going down around 10. Um, One of the things, you know, Liz was talking about having a date with yourself. I don't know if you're doing these busy things in your bedroom, like on the computer or being mentally active, Um, you can always try to treat your bedroom or wherever you sleep, if it's on, you know, a chair or whatever, um, treat that area as a sleep sanctuary. You have to kind of like mentally train your mind that when I come into this room or into this spot, that it's time to sleep, not time to like mentally engage. But there's so many different studies like that, that if that's, something you want to work towards, you can find ways to kind of, you know, make that adjustment. But, you know, a lot of what we talked about tonight, those little things that we love, like, you know, maybe a great set of soft sheets, you know, something you never would have splurged on before or lavender essential oil in the bedroom. I'm sure Liz has like a whole list of things where there are little things where you can treat yourself or maybe at night you give yourself just like a little hand and foot massage.
4: Yeah, well, I try to like uh, using like white noise. I have no computer, no television. All I have is my bed, clothes, and the clock so I can know what time it is during, so I know when to get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, a lot of times is I will just sleep and sleep and sleep once I do fall asleep.
1: Yeah.
4: So, yeah. I mean, I so I don't we're have we're those happy. distractions, but. I think my partner she was like that she would always have an earphone with a radio playing all through the night as a white noise type of a thing mm-hmm.
0: i feel wow. like you know you have so much going on i don't know liz do you recommend that people kind of pick one thing and then just trial and error like the sleep thing you sound like you're you're well on your way like you have a minimalist bedroom and environment you have the white noise you know, instead of worrying about all these different things and trust and relationships and everything, maybe step one is find something simple, like find your ideal sleep routine and sleep cycle. Okay. And just- well, I,
4: when I go on vacation to Florida, uh, because I don't have the computer and everything, I usually go to bed around midnight and wake up around seven because that's when my brother wakes up because I can hear his phone go off in the other room, his wife has a thing about calling him cuz she doesn't like him sleeping past 7 in the morning <laughs> so i can hear his phone in the other room and say ah oh, well what the hell i'll get up to
0: <laughs> well i'm excited to see you know what you decide to do and how things go for you in this journey following this workshop especially if liz We'll do this with us again if she's willing to dare zoom in the (laughs) internet does anybody else have any questions or feedback for liz before we go tracy thank you so much for joining us by the way i know you you jumped in and have been on mute did you want to communicate with us at all tonight or anybody else did anyone else have any last questions for liz
3: just all the the sleep research you were talking about it's all it has to do with circadian rhythm and, and also the uh, even blue light from the computers before you go to bed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 minutes to an hour before you go to bed, stop using any electronic devices. Right. So yeah. because that well, we all.
5: Could do a,
1: we could do a whole workshop, a, a, a sleep hygiene workshop with no trouble. Yeah. There's so much. And I'm sure that everybody has their own thing that they've learned you know, from, because there's conversations about it all the time now, because we do know that it is one of the most important things for our health is to get a good night's sleep. So, yeah.
0: And don't forget, Liz is also a health coach in addition to being a life coach. Right. Liz, thank you so much um, for tonight. You know, and I had cut you off earlier when you were sharing your contact info. I have it here in the zoom as well, if you'd like to let them know the ladies know like how best to kind of follow up with you. I'll bring yeah. that up again for you.
1: So, you know, again, as I have said in the past um, I, emailing me is the very best way um, and then we can move forward, you know, setting up a time to talk and I do it, you know, I can either be over the phone or we can zoom whatever is most comfortable. Um, And mostly, I think for tonight, I want to say thank you all for being so incredibly patient. This did not, you know, life is, I'm always trying to live my day without expectations. I have plans, but I never know how it's going to go. I certainly didn't expect this to go the way it went, though. So I thank you guys so much for being so kind and patient with my internet in Connecticut. So... Thank you,
0: thank you. <laughs> oh, I think you you really showed us the power of of what you do as a coach because I think that the issues that we had tonight with the internet which were no fault of your own um would have left so so many other people in tears and you yes. just kept coming back and coming back for more and I think that shows how much you love this group too. so thank you. oh thank you absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, and again, if you if you do want to have me back, I would love to try this again or a version of it. Um, uh, and so I guess my parting quote will be to remember that life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. So this happened for me. I haven't figured out how, but the internet issues happened for me. So.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I want to let everybody know what's coming up. So we are not going to be live this coming Tuesday. Uh, We will be unveiling our sister of the month for the month of July. And um, for anybody who's ever wondering what's coming up um, on our schedule of events, they will be in the Tuesday email and I do always update them on the website. So you can go to myfeminineheart.com. You can see our schedule there on our homepage and our Trans Tuesday page. And then you will find um, on our various pages all of our episodes back to episode one to the most recent one you'll find listed there uh so please if you ever you know need to find information from us and you have a tough time feel free to shoot me an email info@cassandrastorm.com. i want to thank everyone who participated with our first book club ever last week that was the coolest um <laughs> i can't wait for our next one we're going to do them once a quarter So that we have plenty of time for anybody who's like a super slow reader. So I am taking your suggestions now for the books that you want us to vote on. And then next week I will put out the fresh vote for our club members. And then I believe the next time we will be reading, we'll talking about that book together will be September. So you have, we have time to figure out what the summer beach read is going to be for my feminine heart. Um, Thank you everybody so much for tonight. Thank you, Liz. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to everyone for sharing, you know, your sleep cycles and your homework and the special things that you love in your day that help you love yourself. Liz, this has just been an absolute pleasure. Good night,
4: everybody. I wanted to thank you, Cassandra, because I think it was last week you gave me another uh, name that uh, somebody that uh, is a close friend, she was following on the uh, Facebook thing when you called me a shepherd. <laughs> it's something to add to all the other things that people will mention. <laughs> we got a laugh out of it because <laughs> she knows how much I feel about it.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Georgette, I love I love seeing that smile. I can't wait to see how they all grow over time. Michaela and Tracy, thank you so much for joining us as well. Maggie and Brownwin and Liz. Everybody have a beautiful evening and we will see you in two weeks when our Sister of the Month joins us live for Trans Suzanne our public page. Good night, everybody. Thank you.
4: Night.
1: Good
0: night. night, night. Thanks. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.